I hope everyone has been um, enjoying the Advent season. Um, I have to say, it has been fun for me to, to, uh, to dig into this Advent series that we've been in over the last few weeks. Uh, if you haven't uh, been with us uh, prior to this week, this is our third week in a series uh, where we have been exploring a, a different element, if you will, uh, of the Christmas season each week. So we started off a few weeks ago uh, looking at the waiting of Christmas and the fulfillment of hope with the coming of Jesus into the world. And we, we saw those two well-waiters, uh, Simeon and Anna, who encountered the young Christ child in the temple just weeks after his birth. And then last week we focused on the wonder of Christmas and where we looked at, at how each of us have this sense of awe and wonder hardwired into us and yet the tendency can be for it to, to, to kind of go away and to fade and, and for us to settle for an awe and wonder of lesser things. And so we looked at the encounter of the shepherds with the angels and, the, and, and Mary and Joseph and the baby Christ and, 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 and the wonder of that incredible encounter in Luke 2 and we uh, attempted to recapture the wonder of Christmas in our hearts. And so now that brings us this week to the welcome of Christmas. Now, uh, just a quick heads up, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but this, this next Sunday, uh, next Sunday is going to be a special morning here at Grace Spring. Uh, if you have not been part of one of our gathering services before, uh, I just it's a, it's a great time. It's going to be a little bit different. The whole family is going to have an opportunity to stay in here with us for the entirety of worship. We will have nursery and preschool set up, but, but it's going to be a morning where we'll see the, the kids be a part of performing and, and we'll sing songs together and we'll have a story. And so it'll be a great time to gather in here. But I do I just, I, I have to warn you, you don't want to miss anything. And so be here right at 10 o'clock so you don't miss a single part of the service next week. Now, as I mentioned this week, uh, we are looking at the welcome of Christmas. The, the Christmas season, if you haven't noticed, is one that kind of comes with a great deal of fanfare attached to it. Uh, you know, we, we, before we even get to Thanksgiving, the Christmas decorations and the toys and the sales flyers are all over the place. You know, seemingly our culture can't wait to get to Christmas. And it's not just the big box behemoths and the warehouse stores that are in that same, you know, full swing mode before Thanksgiving. A lot of us are the same way. You know, we can't wait for Christmas to get here, kids especially. Our kids are just counting down the days. You know, they can't wait for Christmas morning. They welcome everything that comes with Christmas, the sights and the sounds and the, the scents and the, and the stories of the season. And, you know, some of us are the same way. We, we can't wait to celebrate the Christmas season and everything it stands for and it celebrates. Yet on the other side, some greet the season with a little less enthusiasm. Maybe you're less than excited about what it has become. Or maybe for you, it's a time that for some reason or another is filled with pain. Maybe it's from memories or a loss. And it takes everything that you have just to get through the season. You know, for some, 
Christmas is an interruption that they just rather not have to deal with every year. A, a fellow pastor friend of mine in town, he was sharing recently how he encountered someone out at one of the stores who said, you know, I just hate Christmas. I just, I can't wait until it's over with. There's, there's all these expectations of buying all these gifts for these, these people and for this person and that person, and, and there's all this pressure that comes with it, and, 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 you know, I just can't wait for it to be over. Christmas had been reduced in her life to a purely commercial and transactional affair, and no wonder she hates it. Some of us, we hear a reaction like that, and we bristle. Like, how could anybody actually react like that to Christmas? It's Christmas, right? You know, how could they miss what the Christmas season is all about? But I think the reality is that for many of us, whether this season brings happiness with it for you or brings sadness, we're equally vulnerable to missing what Christmas is all about and vulnerable to missing out on truly welcoming Christmas for all that it is. You know, for many of us, we would say that, that, that welcoming Christ into the world and into our lives, that that's what Christmas is all about. Yet it is still so easy for many of us to get caught up in the non-essential extracurriculars of the Christmas season, so much so that we begin to miss the true heart of the Christmas story. And this is a great tragedy, but it's not a new tragedy. You know, in fact... If we look at our text this morning, which Bruce read for us earlier, and, and which is in your, your bulletins as well, and, and, and if we look at that text and we think about the welcome of Christmas, what is also staring us in the face, very first in this, is the great tragedy of the unwelcome Christmas. The unwelcome of Christmas. Look at me, uh, if you will, at this passage out of John 1, verse 9 through 11, it reads, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Part of the sad reality of the Christmas story is the story of the unwelcome Christ. You know, the Christmas narratives of Matthew and Luke both show us examples of the unrecognized and unwelcomed Christ. In Luke, we see this as we read in chapter 2 of how, because a census was being taken, Joseph and Mary, they had to travel from their home in Nazareth to the region of Judea and to the town of Bethlehem where Joseph's family line was from. And as they, as they arrived, they were unable to secure a guest room to stay in. Now Joseph, he's back home in, in, you know, he's back in his hometown, and, and Mary, she has connections here. You know, her, her cousin Elizabeth is married to, to the, the priest Zechariah, who was an important guy, you know, and so they have all these connections that they, that they should have been able to use, but still they're unable to secure a room. Just as a side note, we usually say there was no room at the inn, right? The actual word that is used here, uh, it, it points to a guest house. Uh, and guest, the guest house uh, in, in Jesus' day and time, what they were, they were like two open floors. And the, open, the upper floor would be the bedroom. And then the lower floor was for the livestock and the cattle. So that's where they, 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 they would, would gather all of the animals. They were, it was not the very nicest place to stay, I'm sure. And so as Mary went into labor and there was no room to be secured in one of the upstairs guest rooms, they were forced to endure it in the downstairs stable, in the barn. 
And as the Savior of mankind was born into this world, a feeding trough served as the crib. You think that if the hosts or the innkeeper recognized the Savior of humanity was the one being born, that a guest room would have been cleared out, you know? It would have canceled the Airbnb reservation of someone else to make room for them, right? But rather, we see the unrecognition and the unwelcome of Christmas here. The unrecognition and the unwelcome of Christ. Or what about the account that we read in Matthew of the Magi? These wise men from the east who had come following a star, seeking to worship this newborn king that had been prophesied of, uh, uh, the, the ruler who would shepherd uh, the people of Israel. And Scripture tells us that as they came, they encountered Herod, who along with all of Jerusalem, Scripture tells us, was greatly disturbed by this. Not just Herod, all of Jerusalem, the Scripture says, was, were greatly disturbed by this. The, the, this kingship that was coming was viewed as a threat to, to Herod's throne, a threat to his power. And so he extended the most heinous, unwelcome message imaginable and he carries out an order to have all of the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and younger killed. It is the brutal, heinous, unwelcome of Christmas. It is the brutal, unwelcome of Christ. And of course, these accounts are, are, are among all that, that, that John is pointing to in this passage as he, in poetic and hymn-like language, he shares of the very one who created the world coming into the world and yet not being welcomed, not being received. That first Christmas, the Word became flesh. God came near to us, full of grace and truth, but he was not received or recognized by his own. Verse 10 says, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Now his own, this verse, his own, uh, could be rendered his own people or his own home. But either way, the Son of God became visible and he walked among his people, but his own people, Israel, did not recognize or welcome him. And what is stunning is that his people had been waiting for the Messiah. They had been waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years. Something like 340 verses exist in the Old Testament that foretell the coming of the king. And many of those would have had those prophetic words memorized. Yet he came, and they missed him. He came, and they failed to welcome him. Author Bruce Milne, he says, there can be no more poignant expression of human folly and perversity than Israel's rejection of Christ. In spite of all the centuries of waiting for their promised Messiah, when at last he appeared, they not only dismissed his claim, but instigated his destruction. It is the unwelcome of Christmas, the unwelcome of Christ. And of course, the unwelcome of Christ does not stop at Christmas as we venture on through the Gospels all the way 
through to his crucifixion on Good Friday, the opposition and the rejection is clear. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And this is a tragedy that unfortunately is not just unique to that very first Christmas a couple thousand years ago or to, to the earthly ministry of Jesus, but today many of us remain in a place of either failing to see Jesus for who he truly is or the life that he is calling us into or simply rejecting him outright. The world was and is opposed to the light. Author Gary Burgey writes this. He says, The great irony is that the very medicine that can cure the human condition is rejected. He says, It is naive to think that the world is eagerly waiting for some disclosure from heaven. Such a disclosure is welcome if it comes in the world's terms. It is, if it is a message that affirms the systems of the world. But if it names the darkness for what it is, if it describes the sin for what it does, if it identifies unbelief in its many sophisticated forms, then the word will experience sheer antagonism. If the creator of the world now calls for dominion as its Lord, the world will have no part. The world was and is opposed to the light. And you know, for some of us, we, we, we look at all that, and we hear all that, and we go, well, yeah, that was them. But that's not me. You know, like I, I, I would have made room. I would have opened up a, you know, a guest room. I would have, I would have received him. And, and, and yeah, for some of us, you know, we may not seemingly re reject Jesus outright. But if we're honest, we have degrees of welcome that we extend to Jesus. You know, we will allow control or surrender of some areas of our hearts and our lives, but maybe not others. I mean, think about this. Show of hands if you want to. Raise your hand if there's an area that you're not completely ready to give control over in your life to Jesus. Now, if you're looking at the person next to you who hasn't raised their hand and you want to raise it for them, <laughs> that tells you something about you, okay? All right, we, we, we have this, this uh, ability to say, yeah, maybe here, but not here. Uh, at home, uh, we, uh, are, we have a, a home office, and uh, we converted part of our garage into our office, and it is a wreck right now. It is just, it's, um, you have to walk past it to get to anywhere else in our house, and, uh, and what it has become is a catch-all. So we have all the, the mail and the papers and everything are stacked on the desk. We have donations for the upcoming church yard sale. Little plug there. Uh, and we've stuffed those in there. And we've got, you know, just like this and that. They're all kind of crammed into this room. Now, if somebody comes over to my house, we welcome them. But I shut that door. Like, you're not going in. You're welcome everywhere else in my house. But not there, Okay. Same thing with my closet. I'm shutting that door, okay? Like, you're welcome everywhere else, but that is off limits, okay? And, and, we, and the same thing happens in our lives. We have these areas where we say, uh, okay, God, I'll give you this. I'll give you all of that, but I'm not giving you that. Not that. You know, we, we, there, there sadly are places in our lives where, where, where we say, you're welcome in this area. But I, but I don't want to, to open that up to you, and I don't even want you to see the mess that is in there. As if he doesn't see it already. As if he doesn't know it already. 
again, our story, sadly, is at times, at least in part, the story of the unwelcomed Christ. It is the story of the unwelcome of Christmas. But thankfully, though, that's not the only angle of the story. And, you know, even as we look at the narratives uh, of, of the Christmas story, uh, the, we see on the other side of this refusal by some to roll out the red carpet for Jesus that there is this different response by others. I mean, just look at the por- uh, portrait that Matthew paints of Joseph as this young, engaged man set to take Mary as his wife. And this con- then this confusing situation confronts him, and he's instructed by an angel to welcome Jesus as a son. And he does. He, he welcomes him. He receives him. I can't imagine what was going through his mind, but he welcomes him, and he receives him. Or in Luke, as we read about what, you know, that how Mary is confronted with that same mind-blowing situation that she will carry within her womb and give birth to the Savior of the world. And, 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 and when this is brought to her, she breaks into song, a song of welcome to her Lord, a song of welcome to the Christ child. My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul glorifies the Lord. It is the welcome of Christ. And if we go back to where we were a few weeks ago with Simeon and Anna in the temple, as you know, Simeon recognized Jesus as the one who, who he had been waiting to see, and as he cradled the Lord Jesus in his arms, praising God, Anna entered into the, into the courts and immediately recognized Jesus as the long-awaited Savior, the long-hoped-for Redeemer, and they both welcomed Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah. They welcomed Christmas. They welcomed Christ. Or what about the Magi that we mentioned earlier? They traveled so far, likely all the way from Persia, and they had come specifically to welcome the Christ child and to worship Him, bringing gifts of extravagance to the long-expected one. They welcomed Christ. It is the welcome of Christmas. And so we see within these Christmas narratives At the very least, there is a bit of a mixed bag, right? It is not just the unwelcome of Christ, but it is the welcome of Christ as well. It is the welcomed one as well. My friends, I just want to suggest that we stand in the very same place today with the same dilemma in front of us. We're all a mixed bag of motives, okay? Especially as it comes to the Christmas season, you know? Uh, there, there, can, there can be this tension in our lives of the, the, between the welcome and the unwelcome, you know, especially when it comes to this season. And the question is, will we recognize Jesus and, and, and welcome him into every area of our life and as he is and for who he is, or will we reject him or seek to replace him with lesser things? Now here's where John offers hope as we welcome him. Because verse 12 tells us that while many rejected him, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now just a few things on this. The the Greek words used here for receive and believe are verbs. They're action words. John is very particular about the wording that he uses here. He wants to make sure that, that, that there are some audiences who, who might say, well, this is the thing that I can just attain. 
You know, this is a thing that I can grab hold of. And he steers away from that. Rather, the implication here with the wording is that of, of giving over oneself to Christ. It's not a what that you require, but it is a who that you are joined to. It is a who that you are joined with. A who that you welcome into your life entirely. Those who receive or believe are those who have put their trust in Christ and are surrendered to him. It involves an acceptance of Jesus uh, and of all that he claims to be and a dedication of one's life to him. You know, the, the, they believe, it says. The, the Greek word here really means to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance or to have complete confidence in. It is more than a simple verbal acknowledgement. You know, yeah, I got that. People in John's day had to ask themselves, do I believe all that Jesus has said? Do I believe all those claims? You know, am I believing and, and, and trusting in the message of Jesus? You know, that's what it means to, to receive him. And in this receiving, this passage says that, 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 that there is this, he gave the right to, it means that, that he empowered this, this, this dynamic of, of being adopted into the family of Christ. You know, that those who would receive and believe those who would surrender themselves and, 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 and say, yes, I'm all about that. I have complete trust and faith in Christ. That there is this adoption into the family of, of, of the living God and it exists for you and I as well. It exists for, for, for us as we become and as they became sons and daughters of the living God. And so this is the hope that John presents. Despite the fallenness and corruption of humanity, a corruption uh, that at the very heart of things, despite the hostility uh, of humanity towards God, nevertheless, God himself, though unwelcomed by some, welcomes those who welcome him. He himself is a welcomer. He himself has arms open wide. He is the, this is the miracle of the gospel, that though we deserve something so different as we receive him, God welcomes us home. You know, he makes us sons and daughters. He, he empowers men and women to be transformed and to be welcomed in as his children. You know, despite the world's hopeless and hostile condition, still God loves the world and entered it in order to save it. And that is the good news. That is the heart of Christmas. You know, here's the true welcome of Christmas. You know, we could talk about us welcoming things in or, 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 or being unwelcomed. But the, the, here's the true welcome of Christmas. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him so the question we are faced with is am I truly welcoming Christ into my life am I truly welcoming him into every area of my life I mean listen I, I really like Christmas um, I mean there are some things I could do without when it comes to the traditions that we tack on uh, and admittedly, I can err towards being a bit of a Grinch at times. Uh, when I said that yesterday, as I was going through my message, Erin was like nodding her head and saying, yep, you can. Um, and so I get that. But, but I love what Christmas is, or, or rather, I love wh who Christmas is about. 
And, and, and quite honestly, there is so much temptation for us to fill our lives with the other stuff that doesn't ultimately matter. You know, there is this, there's this temptation in the midst of this season. And there's this great opportunity for us to worship Jesus for everything He is. But there's also this temptation to go a completely different way and start focusing our hearts on lesser things. It is just, it, it, there's this, this weird tension that exists in this season like no other. And, and, and so, you know, we, we, we have this, this opportunity to worship Him and welcome Him and receive Him in every area of our lives. Or we have this temptation to get caught up in the pressure to overspend and overschedule and overindulge and, 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 and just miss the real heart of Christmas. You know, to, to not recognize Jesus at work in our midst, to not receive Him in every area of our heart and mind and life and before we know it we start looking at the christmas season and attaching these things that have nothing to do with it and we start saying that's what christmas is all about and no wonder we're disappointed no wonder we walk away from it going i'm glad that's over because it has nothing to do with the real heart of who christ is and why he came so the question is, will you welcome Christ into Christmas completely this season? Well, listen, I, um, I actually uh, asked Caleb, he's going to come up and, and play a little bit, because here's what I want to do, is I want um, I want us to pause. We don't do that enough during this season. And some of you guys are going, yep, uh, that's like what I need most in my life, is just to pause for a few minutes. I just want to pause. So he's going to play lightly. I'm going to uh, open us up in prayer. I just want to pause and think about those areas that we raised our hand for. Where are those areas of control that we haven't given over to Christ? Or those areas that we're not welcoming him into our lives? And ask him to identify those things that we can't even see right now because we're so blind to them. And then, and then give those to him. Lay them at his feet. Just as the Magi came and laid those gifts of extravagance for the the Christ child to lay those things that are keeping us away from him and and away from being fully surrendered to him to lay those things at his feet welcome him into every area of our life so we're gonna we're gonna we'll pray together and then and then uh, we'll we'll sing together let me let me just open us up as we reflect on this father oh lord jesus No detail of your birth was left to chance, including having a stable for your birthing room. Nevertheless, the image of there being no room available to you, the idea that you came and you were unrecognized and unreceived and unwelcome, it strikes at our heart. And and Lord, we just ask that you would reveal in in what ways we knowingly and unknowingly fail to make room for you the ways that we fail to to welcome you on a daily basis, the places that we're holding on to control rather than surrendering to you. Lord, bring to our mind right now as we pause before you silently, how do we both ignore you and avoid you? Please bring those things now to our mind.
I'm struck by the thought that just even that simple act of pausing before you is something that is so foreign to many of us. And it's so easy to get away from just sitting before our Savior. Lord, I just pray that you would open that up more and more in each of our lives. I need that in my life. Lord, would you open up those times where we just feel like we have to be overburdened and overbusy and overscheduled and we have to do everything and we have to get everything for everyone else and we have to, to, to just, we have to make things work because they're not going to work out if we don't do it. Would you take that, 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 that sense of, of this need for control and, 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 and really just this ignoring you, ignoring you and your working in our life. Would you take that away from us? Lord, we praise you for making room for us in your heart. There's no greater hospitality than the gospel. We thank you that our lives are now hidden in yours, and your life is now growing in ours. We welcome you today. We welcome you into the chaos of our hearts, and we ask that you would bring uh, your peace. We welcome you into the things over which we have no control, over, although we want to have control, and we ask that you would bring your reign of grace. We welcome you into our chilly hearts and ask that you bring the warming fire of your presence. Jesus, we welcome you into our weakness and our brokenness. We welcome you into our fears and our hopes. We welcome you into the places of our deepest longings and our passions. We ask that you would free us to love you and trust you and serve you with everything we have and all that we are. Lord, we welcome you. We pray all of these things in your kind and welcoming name. Amen.